are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me, as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. It's a different week with the Seahawks playing on Thursday Night Football. We did our matchups on Tuesday. We're going to be looking at keys to victory for the Seahawks and our picks to click here on our Wednesday episode. Glad to have all the 12s listening in. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. Since we've got an odd week and the Seahawks are actually playing on Thursday Night Football, the final injury report dropped on Wednesday, and it was a pretty small one for the Seahawks. The only player that's already been ruled out is D. Eskridge, still working back from a concussion. Kind of an ominous update from Pete Carroll on his status. He'll miss his fourth consecutive game, so they're going to be without the speedy rookie out of Western Michigan. And then on the questionable side, Running back Chris Carson hasn't practiced this week with a neck issue, and Benson Mayoa is also questionable, though Pete Carroll made it sound like he was on the upswing, has a pretty good chance to play tomorrow night. Really, Chris Carson is the biggest question mark here, Rob, because of what Pete Carroll ended up saying on his second response when he broke down a little bit more what Carson's going through. He said that this is a long-term neck issue that flares up from time to time, and he just hasn't felt good this week. He is a game-time decision tomorrow. I find it hard to believe if his neck has been bothering him enough that he hasn't been able to do anything at practice the last two days, that he is going to wake up tomorrow and be like, you know what, I think I'm ready to get blasted by Rams defenders. I just can't see it playing out. It seems to me like it's going to be Alex Collins and DJ Dallas season tomorrow night. Yeah, it certainly felt like that, Corbin. I mean, I, I think that uh, what, what Pete Carroll said is that, uh, you know, that Chris Carson has had this issue for a long time um, and that uh, that it has flared up at this point. And, you know, Pete Carroll, of course, is, is famous for his optimism. And I didn't think that he sounded very optimistic that, that Chris Carson was going to be able to, to suddenly have a miraculous recovery and, and be able to play against the Rams. And, uh, you know, and the same thing being true with, with D. Eskridge and the fact that, that he has been ruled out, as you mentioned, for the fourth consecutive game with that concussion. And, and so the fact that, that Seattle is losing two of their most dynamic skill position players on offense, um, I, I think that that kind of puts a cloud over otherwise a, a pretty impressive injury report. You know, we, we talked so much before about Brandon Shell. He seems likely to be able to return. Carlos Dunlap, Daryl Taylor. I mean, there have been several players that have been on Seattle's injury report in the past that now look like they are trending positively towards being able to play a, play against the Rams. But that did not seem to be the case with Chris Carson and D. Eskridge. And, and that could potentially be huge, huge losses against the team, against the, uh, the Rams, that not only have the dynamic offense that we've talked about, but obviously have a dynamic defense as well. Yeah, and the other player that's notable here, and really the true wild card tomorrow, because like I said, I don't think Chris Carson's going to play in this game. I'm not going to completely rule it out, because you and I both know neck and back issues sometimes, if it's just a spasm or whatever, 
he might wake up tomorrow and be like, you know what? I feel really good. It happens, but I'm just not optimistic. Like you said, with what Pete Carroll said, I don't think they're going to push the issue with this being a short week either. And he got a decent workload the other day against the 49ers. I'm not seeing it happening, but the real wild card in all of this is Gerald Everett, who did not play on Sunday because he is still on the reserve COVID-19 list. And Pete Carroll was about as, coy and hard to get as you ever will see him in the press conference today uh poor mike dugar from the athletic he was trying to p carroll was trying to have him chase after the bait and be like you almost got it and couldn't quite give him the answer but gerald everett had two different types of COVID tests this is the league protocol the quick rapid response test he has gotten multiple negatives on so he's good in that regard but they have another test that they send down to California that takes 12 to 16 hours to get results back for. One of those has already come back negative, but you have to have a second one 24 hours after that. And so they were still waiting on results. So he was referencing Dumb and Dumber as he's now done twice this week and just said, so we're saying that there's a chance he might be able to play against the Rams. I didn't respond to him, you know, is it one in a million like on the movie? But hopefully the odds are much better for Gerald Everett to be able to play in this game, not just because it's his former team. You know he wants to play, but how valuable he is to this offense. And without D. Eskridge, his after-the-catch capabilities would be a really nice addition going into this primetime game. Oh, no question about it. As you said, I mean, obviously, Gerald Everett wants to come back and show the Rams that that he is the player that they should have re-signed to a long-term deal. Of course, he signed with the Seahawks on only a one-year contract. And, and so I think that Gerald Everett wants to play. And and I think that it's a, it's a really appropriate word that you use there, Corbin, to describe the way that Pete Carroll was. He was coy. And, and so perhaps this is just gamesmanship. Perhaps he recognizes that this is a, as big of a matchup as you are going to have in the, you know, basically in the first four or five weeks of the season because the Rams have been very impressive. Perhaps Chris Carson is going to be back. Perhaps Joe Everett's going to be back. And maybe this is just some of the ways that Pete Carroll is trying to motivate his team and perhaps be able to create that little extra boost right at game time if Chris Carson and Joe Everett or one or the other are suddenly available after there had been some talk that maybe they would not be. But there also is, of course, a possibility that neither Chris Carson or Joe Everett are available. As we're going to talk about a little bit later in today's show, if that is indeed the case, then, then certainly players like Alex Collins, DJ Dallas, perhaps Kobe Parkinson, perhaps Will Disley, perhaps some of the other wide receivers, they need to step up if the Seahawks don't have two of their absolute most dynamic talents available for them in this critical divisional matchup. The best news as far as I'm concerned, you mentioned it, Brandon Shell, Carlos Dunlap, and Daryl Taylor were not even on the final injury report. So all three of those players should be playing significant snaps. Shell, it's especially important, the fact that he looked healthy on the practice field yesterday, moving around well, that's a big deal. As well as Cedric Abue, he played on Sunday. The fact that Jake Kieran's given them some good reps, Jamarco Jones has given them a few good reps while Shell's been out. None of those players were as effective as what Shell was last year before his other ankle injury. So getting him back against this fierce defensive line the Rams have is a big deal. And having all of their hands on deck with the pass rush, Benson Mayoa, I thought Pete Carroll sounded pretty positive he was going to play after missing the last two games. So you get him back and you have Dunlap and Taylor. You've got three of your best pass rushers available now. 
to chase after Matthew Stafford. And I still think we'll talk about this next quarter a little bit, I'm sure. But I think there's going to be somebody else factoring into that mix as well. But having those three players there rushing off the edge, that's going to be a big deal, a big positive for the Seahawks going into Thursday night's game. When we come back in the second quarter, speaking of tomorrow night's clash between bitter rivals, it's the first time they faced since the playoffs a year ago. The Seahawks looking to enact a little bit of revenge. What are the keys to victory for Seattle on both sides of the football at Lumen Field? Rob and I will be breaking it down when we return. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Seahawks fans, if you do a lot of driving like I do, then you need to know about a fantastic new app called Get Upside. When you open an account on Get Upside, you can get 25 cents per gallon back every time you fill up at the pump. Over time, that kind of saving starts to add up. Some people are making as much as two to $300 per month in cash back with Get Upside, which not only makes it easy to save, but which also gives you multiple cash out options, such as direct payment to your bank account, Amazon gift cards, PayPal, and more available at any time. Now, when you open an account and use our special promo code touchdown, you can get a bonus 25 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents back per gallon. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Download the free Get Upside app. Use our special promo code touchdown when you sign up for your account and start saving every time your car or truck needs a fill up. That's Get Upside, available on the iTunes App Store and on Google Play. Use the promo code touchdown. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. The Seahawks getting ready to face off against the Rams on Thursday night football. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang. Normally, we reserve this segment for Fridays, but this is not a normal week at all for the Seahawks as they have just four days between their games. They get to play the Rams on Thursday night at Lumen Field. So it's time for our keys to victory Let's start when the Seahawks are on offense, Rob. What do you think is one of the biggest keys for Russell Wilson and company to have an effective night and be able to beat the Los Angeles Rams? Well, I'm just going to go back to one of the things that Pete Carroll has preached his entire time in Seattle and even before that, and it's all about the ball. I mean, there's been too many times where the Seahawks have lost to the Rams because they gave up some type of critical game-changing turnover. And so I think that's the number one thing is that Seattle has to protect the football. They, they cannot have a pick six. They, they cannot have a fumble near the goal line. They cannot uh, be allowed to, to not be able to convert uh, scoring opportunities into just field goals. They've got to be touchdowns. And so I think that they, it sounds simple. But it's very difficult to do when you are facing a Rams defense that is as talented as they are. And obviously, as you just mentioned, coming off of a very, very short week of practice with the fact that you may not have some of the most critical skill position players on your team. So to me, that is one of the things that is going to be absolutely critical for Shane Waldron, Russell Wilson, and the rest of Seattle's offense to do is simply to protect the football and make the Rams earn a victory if they are, in fact, going to be able to come into Seattle and get this win. Don't give them the easy scores that, at times, the Seahawks have given the Rams on a silver platter. Yeah, last year, Darius Williams with that pick six in the playoff game. And then Wilson also got picked by Williams in the end zone in their first matchup in L.A. a year ago. So they they just seem like they have these critical turnovers when they play the Rams. So avoiding those would be a big deal for the Seahawks. I think that we got to go to what we talked about a little bit yesterday, what has really been the Achilles heel for this offense. 
the inability to convert on third down consistently. I think the Seahawks need to convert 50% or more on third down tomorrow night to win this game. And the reason I believe that this particular opponent, yes, I know if you look at the stats, the Rams are in the bottom third of the league in passing yards per game. It's not like last year, but this is still a defense that has Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams in the secondary. They've got Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd up front. They've got several other really good defensive players. This is a unit that still strikes fear in opponents. They still have a lot of star power. I just don't think that you are going to be able to beat this team by living and dying on explosives. I do think there will be some opportunities there, but your game plan can't be coming out. We're going to take some shots here and really see if we can get the ball downfield. That's not going to work. They have to prove that they can sustain some drives. And if that means they're mixing in their tempo, because that's had, that's where they've had the most success in terms of getting drives going, then so be it. But they have to be able to establish a sustained possession where they're not relying on explosives and they're not getting a bunch of three and outs like they did last week against the 49ers. If they do that against this Rams team that has the offensive firepower they do, if they get in a hole early, you're not going to crawl out of it. So the offense has to do a better job of staying on the field and converting on third down. I think 50% plus is going to be a critical number for the Seahawks in this game. Well, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I think the third down is critical. Um, as we talked about uh, yesterday, the Rams have allowed 50% uh, third down conversions to opponents so far this season. So that is not out of the question that Seattle might be able to do that. But if they are going to be able to do that, I think that's absolutely critical that they are successful in the running game. And we can talk about that a little bit more as we go. But I also think it's important that, that Seattle find a reliable third down target in, in terms of their passing game. We, we know that DK Metcalf is a superstar. We know that Tyler Lockett is a superstar. Both of them are record holders, whether it be Freddie Swain, whether it be Gerald Everett, whether it be Will Disley, whoever it is for the Seahawks, they certainly have to find somebody other than those two primary wide receivers that strikes a little bit of fear into the Rams. And again, we'll be talking about this a little bit later, but because the Rams are as gifted as they are at the cornerback positions. And look, I'm as big a Taylor Rapp fan as there is in all of, of scouting. But at the same time, he does lack speed. That middle area of the field could be something to target. So whether that be a slot receiver or a tight end or maybe even a running back, Seattle has to be able to get the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands and be able to create some advantageous matchups, create some big plays. Because you're right, Corbin, if they are trying to live and die by the big play, the shot play, this is a Rams defense that can take those big plays, absorb them, and create a couple of big plays of their own on the defensive side of the ball as well. And that kind of leads in as a nice segue to my last take on offense here. I mentioned you don't want to live and die in the explosives, but I've talked about this earlier in the week. DK Metcalf has been open against Jalen Ramsey downfield. He has beaten him several times in their past matchups. The stats don't bear that out necessarily, but that's because either Russell Wilson hasn't thrown the ball to him or he's been inaccurate. He's overthrown him several times. You have to respect but not fear Jalen Ramsey. And what I mean by that is, if you think that your receiver, and DK Metcalf, in my opinion, is a top 10 receiver in this league, when he's really on, he's a top five receiver. He is a tough matchup in his size with his athleticism. If you think you have the advantage there, 
don't be afraid to take a jump ball. I mean, I, I don't think there are many receivers in the league you would say that going against Jalen Ramsey, but DK Metcalf is one of them. I absolutely would have faith doing that. And again, you don't want to take too many risks, but you can't be fearful of Jalen Ramsey. He's great. He's a phenomenal corner, but don't be afraid to attack him. Again, I'm not saying drop back every time. Let's throw the ball 50 yards downfield. That is not going to work, but those shots are going to be there a couple times in this game, even as great as Jalen Ramsey is. That's the kind of matchup problem DK Metcalf is. It's one of those cases where you stay away for the most part, but you have to be able to be aggressive when those opportunities are there, and I think they will be with DK Metcalf. Well, I think they should be. I mean, as you said, Jalen Ramsey's a really good player. So is DK Metcalf. And if yep. you don't trust your best players, then what the heck are you doing? You know, so I, I do think that that is going to be something that Seahawks will absolutely try to take advantage of. Let's talk keys on defense now real quick. And I, I've talked about this a little bit earlier this week. And people that have heard me on Sirius XM and they've heard me on King 5 and all the other places I've talked the last couple of days. This has been a recurring theme for me, but I'm just going to keep hammering it home. I think this is the game that number 33, Jamal Adams, starts to really wreak havoc as a pass rusher. He's been pretty quiet in that regard because they haven't blitzed him very much. But I think in this game, even with Daryl Taylor, Carlos Dunlap, and maybe Benson Mayoa being available in the game, I just think this is a matchup against this particular offense where maybe you're going with those nickel and dime sets again, getting Ryan Neal out there, Ugo Amadi or Marquise Blair, playing more defensive backs, some guys that have the versatility to be able to still play in the box. Let Jamal Adams be the chess piece that he was born to be and let him pin his ears back. I don't care how good the tackles are for the Rams. That is still going to be a problem if he's timing his blitzes up and he's disguising him well, and I think he's capable of doing that. To me, this is the game where you let Jamal Adams wreak some havoc, rushing after the quarterback. I still think Matthew Stafford can be forced into making some errant throws and some poor decisions. If he's pressured, we've seen that a little bit in a few of their games this year, especially last week. I think one way the Seahawks can do that, don't over blitz and don't give away that what you're doing, your intentions. But I think Jamal Adams needs to be a part of that pass rushing plan this week. Well, I, I think that he does need to be part of it. And I think the Seahawks should feel some confidence in, in the safety play behind him. Um, you know, we saw what Ryan Neal was able to do. And obviously, Quandre Diggs has been a, a spectacular player ever since the, the Seahawks traded for him. So I, I agree with you. I, I think that Jamal Adams, uh, you know, really, this is the game. This is the very first game of the divisional opponents that I think the Seahawks have to have a little bit of concern. I mean, as we talked about last week, I thought the Seahawks were going to be able to roll into Santa Clara and beat the 49ers. I just didn't think that the 49ers matched up that well against the Seahawks. The Rams do. And so you're going to have to have some of their your impact players, the guys that you were paying an awful lot of money to, they have to prove it this week. So I, I think that Jamal Adams is absolutely going to be one of those players that, that you can kind of expect that. But at the same time, it's it's easy for us to say, Corbin. I mean, Seattle needs to be aggressive, but at the same time, when you have a quarterback that has the arm that Matthew Stafford has, you have a play caller like Shane Waldron that has the aggression that he has, and we talked about this in yesterday's show. This is not just the Robert Woods and especially Cooper Cup 
show that the Rams have been at the receiver position in the past. Deshaun Jackson, 2-2 Atwell, can absolutely fly. And so just like the Seahawks might be playing a little bit coy with some of their weapons, I would not be surprised at all if this is the game that the Rams unleashed 2-2 Atwell. He led all receivers in all of the NFL in receptions over the preseason, and then has basically been forgotten so far in the regular season, primarily being a return man. I think this might be the game that they are looking to try to use 2-2 Atwell, a 4-2 guy, his speed against the Seahawks. And so the Seahawks need to be aggressive. They need to get home, though, because otherwise this could be one of those games where the Rams are able to get some of those big plays over the top. So in terms of keys to victory, be selective with your rushes, be selective with your blitzes. And when you do send extra people, you've got to get home. And I've got one last one. I asked Pete Carroll about this today. You know, what are, what are the keys to good play action defense? If this is an offense, the Rams are not running play action, play action as much as they did the last four years when they were number one in the league every single season. They're 16th right now. They've dropped from 32% to 25%. That's a pretty significant drop-off. Part of it is they're running more plays out of shotgun with Matthew Stafford than they did with Jared Goff. It accentuates to his physical traits and his ability to get the ball downfield. Less play-action opportunities as a result. But this is still an offense that Sean McVay is coordinating and making the play calls, they are still going to mix in a lot of play action, and they are lethal with players like Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Deshaun Jackson, and Tutu Atwell, the ability to stretch the field. Now, on top of that, added with those receivers, tight end Tyler Higby. We don't know if he's going to be available for this game, but if he is, another player they have to account for. I think it is crucial the Seahawks have to be able to limit big gains on those play action passes because to me that is really what gets this Rams offense rolling and if they start getting some of those plays especially over the top of the linebackers where they are nestling in with crossing routes and they've got the bootlegs mixed in and they're picking up 15 20 yard chunk plays they do that for the entire game they start running the ball it's game over I don't think the Seahawks defense can be able to get any stops to me that is the number one thing you have to be able to stop when you play this football team you can't let them destroy you with their play action concepts. Again, I 100% agree with you. And I think what's the easiest way to minimize the 12th man? And that is to hit a big play over the top and absolutely silence them. Again, that's one of the reasons why I think that the Rams will try to do that. It's just going to be on the Seahawks and the 12th man, frankly, to be able to mitigate that uh, aggression by the Rams. When we come back in the third quarter, we're going to be looking at our picks to click on offense and defense and dishing out one bold prediction for tomorrow night's matchup between the Seahawks and Rams. You won't want to miss it. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? When you talk to a Built Bar fanatic like myself, we're definitely passionate about our favorite flavors, whether it's mint brownie, raspberry, my personal favorite, peanut butter brownie. I'll eat an entire box in one sitting and I'm not embarrassed to admit it. There is a flavor for everyone. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. And Built Bars are not just delicious. They're healthy too. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and only four grams net carbs. So they're amazing tasting and they're healthy. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCK15 
for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right up to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. We are on Thursday Eve, game day Eve. It's a weird week for the Seahawks and the Rams. Short rest, getting ready to face off. First time in 2021. A lot at stake. We know Shane Waldron now being the Seahawks offensive coordinator, used to be with the Rams, was mentored by Sean McVay. We know their previous matchups in the playoffs, the trash talking that went on last year. All those factors, these two teams have a lot of bad blood. So they're going to be reigniting that rivalry tomorrow night. Let's talk picks to click here. Starting on the offensive side of the football, Rob, which offensive player are you looking to have a big game tomorrow night for the Seahawks? Well, as we talked about, Corbin, with the, the, the possible inability of Chris Carson to be able to play because of this neck issue, then I really think that the onus is going to shift to the running back who actually has been Seattle's best so far this season, that being Alex Collins. You know, we, we kind of talked about how he's been doing his little Irish dances and things like that, using his slalom skiing type of uh, uh, agility to be able to make defenders miss and, and be able to create big plays. We saw it as a receiver. We saw it as a runner in the last victory against the 49ers. I think that Alex Collins could absolutely take full advantage of this opportunity. The Rams are a really talented defense, but one of the things that can happen against them is being able to run the ball right down their throat. I think Alex Collins has the ability and may just have the opportunity to do exactly that. I'm going to go with a selection that isn't going to be a sexy one. It's not a skill player. I'm actually going in the offensive line Big Gabe Jackson, this will be the third time in his career that he's gone against Aaron Donald. And in the first two matchups, he got beat a few times. He gave up a sack to him in their 2018 game season opener. You're going to lose some battles to Aaron Donald. He's too good of a player. But you go back and you watch those two games. Jackson was able to beat him up some in the run game. In particular, that 2018 game opened up some holes for Marshawn Lynch on a few plays that opened up big runs for the Raiders. And I thought the 2014 matchup really early in both their careers, I thought that Jackson got the better of Aaron Donald for a good chunk of that game. And obviously that was a long time ago, but these two know each other, even though they have not been in the same conference, they know each other well, they have played against each other twice. This is the game that you acquired Gabe Jackson for, his outstanding pass protection skills. You're hoping he brings his A game. I have not been quite as impressed with the way Jackson's played the last couple of weeks. I thought he was solid in the second half against the 49ers like much of the rest of the line, but he hasn't had the impact that I really thought he was going to have, especially after the opener in Indy where he played so well. I just don't feel like we've seen the best of Gabe Jackson. They need 66 to play 
at his very best in this game. And I think he's going to. I think he's going to rise to the occasion here. And if he's playing well against Aaron Donald and Sebastian Joseph Day, and he's able to hold up both as a pass protector and a run blocker, it gives the Seahawks a much better chance to be able to sustain drives and have their explosive plays. They do those things. They got a really good chance to win this game. You're absolutely right. Yeah, if they are able to slow down uh, Aaron Donald, then yeah, I think that that is you know checking off the the single biggest box of this game and the key to victory. But I think another one would be creating turnovers, as we talked about before. You know, Matthew Stafford, for all of his big arm and all of the talent that the Rams have, he's still Matthew Stafford. He is still willing to throw the ball into coverage because he does trust that big arm. And there is literally not a single player on the Seahawks roster that knows Matthew Stafford better than his former teammate, Quantre Diggs, as, as we talked about in, in during yesterday's show. So I, I think that Quandre Diggs would be my pick to click on the defensive side of the ball. I think that it's that he absolutely could wind up having a very similar performance against the Rams this week as he had against the 49ers last week when he created a big scoring opportunity with that interception of Jimmy Garoppolo that really kind of helped spark the Seahawks to that victory. So I, I think that whether it be the number of tackles that Quandre Diggs might get in this game, and that's not necessarily a good thing if Quandre Diggs is creating a whole bunch of tackles or if it be the impactful big hits that he creates, or again, some type of instant turnover, instant change of direction type of a play, that's where I think the Quandre Diggs has an opportunity, along with the other safeties, Ryan Neal, Jamal Adams, we talked about before. I do think that those are the players most likely to create the biggest impact for the Seahawks, might be able to give them the victory. On defense, I'm going to stay in the secondary, but I'm going to go on the outside. Sidney Jones with his second start at the left cornerback position. I saw enough positives on Sunday. Obviously, he had two big mistakes in that game that the Seahawks paid dearly for, but it was his first start. He's still fairly new in the system. I just think that experience now going into this game, and you mentioned it yesterday, Cooper Cup got the better of him in college. You can't tell me that Sidney Jones doesn't remember that. I think there's going to be some internal motivation there that comes from college that I think is going to fuel a strong performance. I don't know why I feel this way. I just think Sidney Jones is going to have a big game for the Seahawks. And if that happens, that's going to be a, a huge thing for the Seahawks on defense because we know how much that secondary, the corner positions, have struggled during the early stages of this year. But I think Sidney Jones is going to be the one that gets an interception against Matthew Stafford tomorrow night. I don't know why I have that feeling, but I just I saw enough positives. The way that he was playing on Sunday, aside from those couple big miscues that he had, he's got great ball skills. I just have a feeling he is going to jump around in this game, and he's going to make a big difference for the Seahawks. Now let's get to our bold predictions here. Each one of us dishing out one bold prediction, not scores. I'm going to be covering that on our Thursday crossover show. But, Rob, what is one bold prediction you have for tomorrow night's game? Well, before I get to my bold prediction, I do want to say this, Corbin. This is going to sound kind of silly, but you know, it's out of re 
pure respect for you. I, I do believe in instincts, especially when it comes to the football, uh, you know, side of the game rather than the media and analysis kind of thing. But you know, your instincts I've learned to trust. I mean, you called Alex Collins as being a a prime time performer for the Seahawks last week, and obviously he was that. You called the D. Eskridge draft selection, and you know I do this for a living, and, and so your instincts on this I think uh, you know warrants some praise, and 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 we'll see. I think that Sidney Jones absolutely is going to have those opportunities. I'm fascinated to see how he takes advantage of it <laughs> in that. Now I, I would say this though, uh, of all of the pa- of, of all of the, the the defensive backs on Seattle's team, the one who, of course, has been paid the most and has the highest expectations is Jamal Adams. And we've talked about this all week long, buddy. That that we really think that this might be the game that Jamal Adams is unleashed, and this might be if if Seattle uh, wins this game, I think that Jamal Adams could have a big game. And even if it's the nightmare scenario, and and the Rams actually win the game, perhaps even and going away. I think this might be the game where the Seahawks say, you know what? If we're losing, then let's unleash number 33. Let's send him off the edge and let's try to punish Matthew Stafford because he is not the same quarterback when he gets a couple of pops to the jaw as he is when he's completely healthy. The Rams have only allowed three sacks so far. I'm calling number 33 to see if maybe he can double that number. I don't think he's getting one sack. I think that he might possibly get two sacks, and I'm expecting a big-time performance. And it's not, again, just Jamal Adams and just the Seattle pass rush. It's the Seattle crowd. If you want to win this game, you better be lubed up and ready to go because the Seahawks and their electric green are going to need you to pull off a game against the Rams team that I think is very much playing to that Super Bowl expectations that some have for the squad. I'm going to go even crazier with the bold takes. I mean, like you said, the Alex Collins win last week. I didn't quite get the number I wanted as far as total yards, but I was very close and he had a big game. So I'm going to keep rolling the dice here. I think with the attention DK Metcalf is going to be getting and the attention that Tyler Lockett is going to be getting in the outside. This is a team that's been talking about making some changes at the slot cornerback position because they've had some struggles. I think Freddie Swain is going to have a career game tomorrow night. I think he's going to surpass 100 receiving yards for the first time in his NFL career. All that pressure last year, they couldn't take advantage of the fact that the Rams were taking away those deep balls Freddie Swain was just a rookie. I think in this game, with the way he's played recently, I think he has a monster performance. And if he's able to do that, it gives the Seahawks a much better chance to win this football game. So we'll have to see if either one of our bold predictions happen. But that is what makes this so much fun. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, bought specials, Wrong team favorite picks in Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Coming up tomorrow, it's game day. The Seahawks and Rams getting ready to clash on Thursday night football. Sosa Kremenges of Locked on Rams and I will be breaking everything down in our weekly crossover special. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.